Welcome to Imprint with Natalie Walton, a podcast about creating a life you love. This is episode 1A. Before we start today's episode, I want to share an exciting pre-order campaign for my upcoming interiors book, Still the Slow Home. It officially launches in May 2020, but if you pre-order it, you will receive some exclusive gifts. First up, I've created a mini masterclass. It's based on my best-selling course, The Styling Masterclass, and I will teach you how to style using examples from the book. You will also receive a free downloadable PDF of how I created the book and some of the key lessons that I learned and have already applied in my own home and life. And if that's not enough, everyone who pre-orders the book will go into a draw to receive a free one-hour consultation on a topic of your choosing. You might want to have a styling lesson, learn how to grow on Instagram, or ways to build a creative business. And if you feel you have all of this covered, you can even donate your consultation to someone in need. All you have to do is pre-order the book and keep your proof of purchase. All the details are at nataliewalton.com forward slash still. Hello everyone. Thank you for joining me today on Imprint. I'm recording from my home in the hills above Barham Bay. It's currently raining at the moment, so it's nice to be inside. While the podcast has only just started, I wanted to create a special episode on a topic that I feel quite passionate about and that I hope will help you. It's about how to create more calm at home. This is a slightly unscheduled post, but I feel it's important to talk about right now as we're all based at home due to COVID-19. But these ideas are timeless. So if you happen to listen to this episode months in advance, then you will still get lots of ideas that hopefully can help you in your home and life. I've also created a free guide on my website that includes some of these ideas. So you can get that by signing up over there. So creating calm at home is important for many reasons. Our home is one of our most important creations. It's where we wake and set the tone for the day. And right now is where we're spending all day, every day. But regardless of when you listen to this podcast, our homes are spaces that can help us feel safe and secure. They are our sanctuaries and where we can be our true selves. And it's also where we can experience all of the beautiful shades of love and life. Today, I want to remind you that if your home feels like it's lacking the calm that you're craving, or if having a house full of people at home is making you feel overwhelmed, maybe even frustrated, anxious, or stressed, then you don't have to feel this way or live like this. This episode is going to focus on how you can make change, how you can embrace calm by being intentional with the rhythms and rituals you have in place at home. And I want to add that none of this is about spending money. Instead, it's about really understanding how you function within your space and what impact that has on your feelings throughout the day. So I'm going to share the simple habits that I've created within my own home that help make life easier. And really, they make me feel better too. And I hope that you'll find some of them useful too. So step one is to clear clutter. And this is one of the most important steps that I take within my own home. And really when I'm styling too, it's all about clearing spaces, 
You can't underestimate how much this affects how your home feels and the function of it too. And don't worry, you're not alone if you feel that you have a lot of clutter in your home. This is something that I come across a lot when I'm styling other people's homes. In fact, the first step of styling is often to clear clutter. It can be on bench tops, sideboards, bedside tables, pretty much everywhere. And I just want to take a moment to make an important distinction. When you're styling a home for a photo shoot, it's very different to styling your home in real life. When you're working as a photographic stylist, you just move the clutter to the side, sometimes just out of shot and literally it could be right next to you. But obviously when you're styling your home or you want to make it the best that it can be, you, you really need to deal with the clutter. So let's talk about that. These are some of the ways that I can do it within my own home. What we do is we start our day the night before. Um, what I mean by that is after dinner. So usually while we're getting the children ready for bed, but sometimes after they've gone to sleep, we have a tidy up. This means washing all the dishes, drying and packing them away, sweeping the floor, because some of our children are still quite young and we have to sweep under the table after every meal. And I just use an upright dustpan and brush and find that much easier than getting the vacuum cleaner, which is in another part of the house. And I think this is so important to remember when you're thinking about keeping your home tidy and calm to do things that are easy. And if it works and gets the job done, then that's all that matters. By the time I go to bed, the house is tidy and clean. And that just makes me feel so much better as well when I do go to bed. And I make sure that I pack away all my clothes in their drawers and give the bathroom counter a quick wipe down. And all of this helps me feel that I can start the next day on a good note. So now I'm going to share how you can maintain a clutter-free home during the rest of the day. Step two is to tidy as you go. Now, some of you I know are going to say, of course, that's what you've got to do. And others might say, well, that's not really me. I don't really live like that. I don't do it. Um, and some of you might not even be aware that this is how other people behave or this is how they live within their homes. A good clue is this following question. So let me ask you, when you cook, do you clean as you go? Or do you do it all at the end? I constantly clean and tidy things away as I go, especially when I'm doing an activity such as baking with the kids. Yesterday, we were making banana bread and I had my three-year-old son and six-year-old daughter, I had them set up at stations on the bench top in the kitchen. I gave them one bowl each because we had a lot of ripe bananas. And so they were each making a banana bread. And after we used every ingredient, I would pack it away. So I crack some eggs for them, they whisk them into the mixture and I was then putting the shells straight into the compost bin. Um, then I put the carton back in the fridge. Then they added vanilla essence and while they were mixing that in, I packed that away. And the same with the cinnamon and the olive oil and all the other ingredients. So that's really important to me to just keep tidying up as you go. But my husband, on the other hand, now he's a great cook and I'm lucky that he makes many of our meals. But when he's in the kitchen, you really know about it. Everything is out. Nothing is tidied away until the end. He's got all the ingredients on the bench top and the chopping boards and the knives and everything. And he's also happy to eat a meal when there's still cleaning up to be done. But it's more enjoyable to me if I can eat when everything has been tidied away. 
And that's another reason why I tidy as I go so that it's all done and I can eat when the food is still fresh and warm. And I feel like everything is in alignment then. The kitchen is tidy and clean. My food is still hot and I can relax and focus on what's in front of me because everything has been done. And just on the topic of children, when they're finished with an activity, they often rush off straight off onto another one. And if you don't tidy up as you go, sometimes you can end up with a big mess at the end of the day. So I always clean as I go with them as well. But even when the kids aren't home, I still do it. Step three is to take responsibility for your own actions. When we're talking about order versus calm at home. That means that I take responsibility for my own mess and clutter. And I just want to add a caveat here that this is always a work in progress. I am not for one minute saying that I'm perfect, but when I'm working on big projects, for instance, at my desk, often there can be books piled up. But when I'm in the kitchen or other areas of our home, I really do focus on the small actions I can make to create more order within our home. And this is about me choosing not to do everything because I really have believed that everyone needs to contribute. But if I make a coffee, I make sure that I put the beans in the compost. As you can see, we do a lot of composting and I clean the milk jug. I dry it and pack it away. I don't just leave the milk jug on the dish drainer and walk away because I know that mess makes mess. I'm a big believer in that. When things are left lying around, Others in your family can suddenly feel as if it's a free-for-all, that no one has to take responsibility. And I'm not militant, how far from it, but I do think that when you let things slide, it sends a signal to others that it's not important to you or that they now have a license to slacken off. We see this all the time in the public, don't we? That if a rubbish bin on the street starts to overflow and people then start to litter on the ground, all of a sudden it's it's like it becomes more acceptable for everyone to do this. People don't think, oh, I will carry this with me to the next rubbish bin or they'll take it home. So within my home and life, I really want to model to my children the behavior that I'd like to see. And that means taking responsibility for my own actions. And you can't expect them to pick up their toys if you don't pick up your own. It's a learnt behavior. So if they don't see you do it when, you're, when they're young, it means that they don't see it as important. And when they're older, they can really smell the double standard. And that's not to say that they can't learn it at a later date, but I do find it's much easier if you can ingrain these habits at an early age. And I found it just makes your life easier. Also with younger children, I often find that they go through a stage when they want to do everything that you do. So my three-year-old loves to use the vacuum cleaner. Whatever I'm doing, he wants to take over. So if I'm vacuuming or mopping, he wants to do this and I let him. I think it's great for them to learn these skills. And I know that, that this enthusiasm won't last forever. I can remember my six-year-old daughter being like this as well. And I have to admit that sometimes if I want to get something else done, that I might just start one of these activities, especially vacuuming, knowing that he will want to do it and it will keep him happily occupied for about an hour. So there's a good tip for you if you haven't done it already. So taking care of your own clutter is important because you don't want to be making your home life situation worse but you need to remember that you're also sending important signals to your children and maybe even your partner about what you value. And I want to be proactive and focus on what I can control within my own home and life. 
This takes us to number four, which is to work as a team. What I mean by this is to make sure that everyone makes an effort. At home, I often say that we have to really help each other so that we can get more done and that when we've done those jobs, we have more free time together as a family to do activities such as going to the beach or bike riding. Sometimes we have family meetings and explain or remind our children why it's important that they help and contribute to keeping the house tidy. At the moment, we have a pocket money system. It started because our eldest son wanted to save for a mountain bike. So the way it works is that once everyone's done their daily chores, which includes making their beds, keeping their rooms tidy and helping to unload the dishwasher, then they can do some chores to earn money. And we've created a list which hangs in our pantry and it's itemized with a whole is about 20 different chores that they can choose from and there's a dollar amount next to each one and so for every task they can record their name and at the end of the week we tally how much they've earned 10% of that money goes to savings and 10% goes to charity and the rest can go towards something that they're saving towards so this can be another way that you can get them to help and be part of your team at home and with young children I do think it's important to reward the effort, not the result. Obviously, when any of my children fold the laundry, it's not going to be the same as when I do it, but I give praise for their effort and I don't redo it. And I want them to feel that their contribution matters. Number five is about creating daily rhythms. I was going to say this in relation to children, but I think it's true for adults too, that when you have a consistent rhythm, life really does run smoother. Everyone knows what's expected of them and it takes away the need to make lots of choices and decisions. I think this is actually true in the workplace as well. Within my family, I find that our daily rhythms also provide me with a lot of comfort and stability. As someone who runs my own business and works from home, I find this really helpful. So my husband and I always wake at about the same time and ensure that all the kids are out of bed to have breakfast together. We go through the same morning routines and right now we homeschool at the same time every day. Then in the afternoon, the children have free time, but they know what that means. They can play in the garden or in their rooms. Often they like to read or do craft, but we have dinner at the same time and our bedtime routines are a consistent thread in our lives. Dinner usually finishes at about 6.30 and then I get my youngest son, Miles, who's three years old, ready for bed. He has a bath, gets into his pyjamas and I read him two books. While I'm doing that, the girls get ready for bed and once Miles is asleep or at least in his bed, I read a chapter book with them. At the moment, we're reading Heidi. While I'm doing that, my husband reads to our eldest son and they're currently reading Harry Potter again. I don't know how many times they've read that, but... Anyway, so from about six to eight, we're focused on dinner time and getting all of the children into bed, but everyone knows what to expect and it runs relatively smoothly. And it's also a really beautiful time to spend with the children. It's actually one of my favorite times of the day. And we all unwind and it means that everyone also gets enough sleep and we all feel refreshed for the next day. Which leads us into number six, which is start the day right. I could have had this higher if I was ordering them in terms of a daily routine, but I know that clearing clutter and creating more order at home are such big elements of creating a sense of calm that they had to jump to the top of the list. But obviously starting the day right is important too. 
If you can, try to wake before other people in your family. I wake before the children and do yoga for about 15 or 20 minutes. And just a few stretches that I've learned over the years. I don't do it with a computer screen. I know that you can do online classes. I try to stay away from screens first thing in the morning or I go for a walk. We're lucky that we live on a country road. So right now I can walk for about half an hour and never see another person. And sometimes I don't see any cars, but I really love these walks. I call them a moving meditation. I don't wear headphones. I'm not listening to audio books or podcasts. Um, I'm not making any phone calls. Instead, I really try to stay mindful the whole time, just being in the moment. Or if I need to work through some thoughts, some ideas for work, then I really engage in what I sort of think of as deep thinking and try to process the information and ideas at this time. As I said, at home with four young children, there's not always a lot of time for quiet thoughts. So that's what I love about these walks. And I would highly recommend trying to integrate this into your morning if you can. And I wonder, have you ever meditated I find it so helpful for my general sense of calm. I don't get as upset or frustrated with the children as what I used to. And it also helps me stay super focused when I'm working. I find it helps with clarity and really being able to prioritize what's most important with my time as well as in my life in general. I try to focus on the daily habits that make me feel good. And if you've been curious about meditation, then now's a really great time. There are so many teachers who are offering online classes and often they have a free introductory class. For me, I'm not really aligned with a particular teaching method. Instead, when I meditate, I just focus on being present and allowing thoughts to pass through me and just finding peace in the moment. Whatever methods you use or habits you integrate into your life, I think it's important to be kind to yourself though and be flexible too. If something isn't happening, that's okay. That's not to say it's never going to be part of your life. We all have different seasons of our life. There are two more important parts to my mornings. The first is that I did mention this briefly, but I don't check my phone when I wake. In fact, I don't check it until after we've done our morning routine and sometimes not until lunchtime. That certainly was true before COVID-19. And I'm conscious of not checking the news as well. I only try and check it once a day and just stick to the facts and avoid opinion paces on conjecture. When the news was first spreading about coronavirus, I could feel myself getting swept up in the hype and the, the hysteria of the news cycle, and I had to make a conscious decision to step away from it. I realized that it wasn't serving me or my family, and in fact, it was actually making me feel much worse. And now I'm also not checking my phone at all for news or even looking into social media on the weekends. And again, that just makes me feel so much more grounded. The final piece in the morning routine is making my bed and getting dressed as if I'm going out. So I'm not really one to wear tracksuit pants or anything like that. I know some people love the opportunity to do that and that's fine for you, but you've got to sort of be in tune with what works for you. And I, I feel so much better when I make an effort to, to dress in something that I really enjoy. But out of those two, making my bed is the most important. If I don't do it, I feel a little bit off kilter for the rest of the day. And it always amazes me how much these small tasks can really impact how we feel. It's 
as if we know that something's not right in the world and really making a bed only takes a couple of minutes and makes such a difference to the tone we set for the rest of the day. I should add here that I keep my bed pretty simple. So I don't have a million cushions or layers, just a flat sheet and a quilt, as well as a couple of pillows on either side. And they're just so that we can sit up in bed and read in the evenings and for comfort. In the cooler months, I add a blanket and that's pretty much it. This is what simple living is to me. It's keeping yourself focused on what matters most and what makes you really feel good. So I'm not interested in decor just for the sense of decor, um, particularly in those types of spaces. So starting the day with a tidy house and a calm mind through my morning routine are two big factors towards creating more calm overall during the day. Number seven is to create a sanctuary. As much as possible, try to have a space where you can retreat and have quiet time, somewhere away from the noise and the chaos, and consider how you create the space too, the elements that you introduce or don't. For me, I don't want a TV in my bedroom, for example, even though we don't have a TV, but you understand what I mean. Like I really don't want that to be how I use my bedroom. And your bedroom is an ideal place to create a sanctuary. You can help to make it feel more that way by incorporating some rituals that can help yourself have a better quality sleep too. You know, the types of lights that you have in the space or by introducing candles, for instance. For me, I find soft tones in the bedroom calming. I don't want to be stimulated by bright and bold colors or lots of busy patterns. As I mentioned, I don't want a television in there and I don't want a lot of stuff either. My current bedroom is quite big. That's just the way that it had been built. But even though I have a lot of space, I deliberately don't fill it with stuff. There's not a lot of furniture in there or decor. And I just focus on what makes me feel good. So right now that's a neutral palette, natural materials, and my favorite linen sheets. And once the children are in bed, I create my own bedtime routine. That means turning off my phone about an hour before I go to sleep, turning down the lights because we've got a dimmer switch and maybe lighting a candle as well as writing in a journal and reading, always reading. I love doing that. And when I do these things, life just feels so much better. Number eight is to embrace rituals. Rituals, as I mentioned, are a quiet but important part of my life and they are a way to introduce simple pleasures as well. I always have a glass of water when I get up first thing in the morning, but I don't just drink it mindlessly. I think about how it's hydrating my body and I feel so much better for it. I also love having a cup of coffee in the morning, as I'm sure many of you do too. And it's not that I have these things, but it's about how I have them and how they make me feel. My husband and I always try to find a quiet spot to have our coffee. Sometimes we have to go to the other end of the house, which is where our bedroom's located, but we like to have a couple of minutes just to connect before the day starts. And I'm always conscious about how these rituals contribute towards my overall sense of well-being. And just on that, I never eat food at my desk. And as a family, we always have our meals as well as morning or afternoon tea at the table. Our children aren't allowed to wander around the house with food, neither my husband or I, and no one's allowed to eat in the living room. We don't have a TV, so we don't eat in front of it, but even then I wouldn't do it. I think it's so important to sit around a table that mealtimes aren't just about eating, but connecting with each other. 
And these are really important touchstones during our day. Number nine is to eat well. I'm really aware of the impact that some foods have on me and how I feel with them. In general, when I'm eating lots of healthy, nutritious and nourishing foods, I feel great. It's as simple as that. I have more energy and I don't get slumps, especially in the afternoons. But if I eat sugar, then everything goes off balance. And don't get me wrong, I love sugar, but that's also the problem. I have a real sweet tooth. And once I get a taste for it, I really struggle to stop. And my blood sugar levels go all over the place. Before I know it, I'm crashing and I'm reaching for the next sugary fix. And when I'm low, I'm cranky and you really don't want to be around me. I also find that if I eat too many carbs, I have a similar reaction. What I eat has a huge impact on my own sense of calm. You might want to consider the impact that the food you eat has on you if you haven't already. Consider and think about, do you get afternoon slumps? Do you get more irritable about an hour or so after eating certain foods? Perhaps keep a food diary and also record in there your moods as well. You might be surprised at what you discover. I quit sugar about eight years ago and it was one of the best things I've done. When I went through that initial process, I really became aware of how much it was in my system and affected my moods. It really had become an addiction and sometimes I might relax the rules a little bit and allow natural sugars into my diet, such as honey or maple syrup, such as when we're baking. But I often find it's a slippery slope. So as much as possible, I try to avoid them altogether. Of course, I'm not going to be, you know, a party pooper. And if I'm at a friend's house for a birthday and they have a cake, I'm going to have it and enjoy it. And I really do. But I make sure that the next day I'm back eating my blood stabilizing foods. And it might sound boring, but it just it's what works for me. And it's also really important to me as well, because my dad has type two diabetes and since then he's developed some quite serious health issues as a consequence So the food that we eat is really, it's so important to our quality of life and as well as our longevity as well. Number 10, reduce your alcohol consumption. I know actually since coronavirus has come on the scene that they've said alcohol sales have increased something like 30%. But for me, in a similar way to not consuming sugar, I really don't drink alcohol. It's not because I can't handle my drink. But I just find that if I have an alcoholic drink, the next day I'm more tired and cranky and it makes me more short-tempered and I really don't feel that's fair on the children or on my husband and and he feels the same way. So we're lucky that we both feel the same way about this and it's not like one of us is having a drink and the other ones can't or feels uncomfortable because of it. Sometimes we might have a beer on a Friday night or if we're on holiday, I might have a cocktail I used to enjoy wine, but it actually makes me feel the worst out of all the different types of alcohol. And I know that there are so many studies that say a glass of red wine is good for you. But for me, it makes me feel below par the next day. And that's even just one glass. So drinking alcohol is not a part of my regular life. And I can't actually remember the last time I had an alcoholic drink. I think it was probably on my summer holiday when we would sometimes have a beer. And I have no judgment about others who drink, for, but, but for me, with the young children at home and wanting to be productive the next day, it's just not worth it. I really want to be the best version of me during the day, and that means no alcohol the night before. 
So there you go, the 10 ways that you can create more calm at home. Clear clutter, that's such a tongue twister. Tidy as you go, take responsibilities for your actions, work as a team, create daily rhythms, start the day right, create a sanctuary, embrace rituals, eat well, and reduce alcohol consumption. So this is what works for me. This is how I can create more calm at home. I keep clutter under control and this means tidying up the house the night before and during the day I tidy as I go and always take responsibility for my own mess. If something takes less than a minute to tidy up then I'll do it or if I'm walking from one room to another I'll take something with me along the way. And I'll take opportunities when I have them. If I'm waiting for the kettle to boil then I'll tidy the kitchen if there's anything out of place while I'm waiting. I find that the tidier my house is, the easier it is to keep it that way. And when we get everyone involved in some way, it's so much easier too. Part of that is having a consistent daily rhythm. I also wake before the children and get in some exercise and meditation. And I don't check my screen first thing and create a bedtime routine for the children as well as myself. I'm really mindful of what I eat and stay away from sugar and alcohol. So that's what works for me. What about you? What helps you create calm at home? I'd really love to know because it's so interesting to kind of get insights into other people's daily routines. In the meantime, thank you so much for joining me today. And I look forward to connecting again with you next week. If you've enjoyed listening to Imprint, please hit subscribe wherever you're listening to it today. And it would mean so much if you could also rate and review it and spread the love on Instagram. So please let me know what you think and ways you can create more calm at home. You can send me a message over at Instagram at Natalie Walton and hashtag imprint podcast. You'll find show notes for this episode over at nataliewalton.com forward slash podcast, including where you can find my books as well as more about my course. And just a reminder that if you pre-order still, you will receive an exclusive gift bundle. I can't wait to share that with you. I look forward to meeting you again next week when I will have an exciting interview to share. Thank you to Jaeger Media for producing this podcast and the people of the Bunjalong Nation where it was recorded. I'm Natalie Walton and you've been listening to Imprint.